0: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSN. Hey
1: everybody, welcome in. It's another edition of the Lombardi Line. We're presented as always by BetMGM and we've got you covered 2 hours of NFL betting discussion with the former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. I'm Ben Wilson. Patrick Maher, he's back on the show tomorrow. Michael, you've got a fresh article up right now at Vison.com talking all things week five observations in the books. I know one of the things you wrote about was you think the Raiders are better than a one in four team. We had that discussion yesterday. But are you seeing this thing that just happened with Devontae Adams and, and the Raiders where star wide receiver gets charged apparently with misdemeanor assault? What are we doing here? <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, look, I, I, initially when I first saw the video, I thought, oh, wow. But then when you see the video from behind him, I, I don't know who put that up there. It was a, where Actually, I saw the guy jump in front of him, you know? And so, like, I thought it was a reaction to it. Look, I think, uh, you know, you, you have to see it from all angles and, and understand that I, I'm not defending Devontae Adams. But when I, when I first initially saw it, I said, boy, that's not good at all. And then when I saw the behind the the behind him, there's a camera angle behind him where he the, literally, the guy just jumps in front of him and he reacts to it. So look you know, I, I, to, to go to the court in this country, it really doesn't, everybody does it. That's where it's going to end up. Like when he got taken to the hospital, you knew this was going down further. I don't know. I'm sure he probably was hurt. I'm not saying he wasn't, but you know, I mean, you knew this was coming. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's surprised that this is coming and I think, the, what, Devontae Adams apologized, mm-hmm. but I guess, you know, he the, the, the guy felt like maybe it wasn't quite enough.
1: He went with the classic, yeah, I hope he sees or hears this apology. <laughs> We're talking about Adam shoving the freelance photographer after the Monday night game when he crosses right in front of him on his way to the tunnel, and we know what happens next. The report, though, they call it an intentional overt act that caused whiplash, a headache <laughs> and a possible minor concussion. I'm gonna go okay. ahead and call BS on that, Michael. We we know there's well, no I, such thing as possible minor concussions. Either you have one or you don't. That's yeah, part I of mean, it. Come on. What, I mean, I'm sure.
0: It's, uh, you know, I'm sure he's got some law firm that's on those billboards when you're driving by. You know, that's gonna come in, yeah. take 40 percent, whatever we can get. I mean, look, first of all, I think the NFL has to do a better job of getting some of these people off the field. There's way too many people on the field. I mean, somebody's going to get hurt. I mean, I saw the cameraman. There was a guy over there that took a shot over there. I mean, there's some of the – and some of these teams are just his fault. There's way too many people on the field. I'm talking about real collisions. I'm not talking about what happened here and almost a a headache. So – Look, it's going to dominate the news. The Raiders have a bye week. They'll figure it out. I don't think it's going to be that much of an issue.
1: Yeah, at least fortunately for the Raiders. No game to prep for this week with that distraction. Have the bye week this week. All to say, having been down on the sidelines for a Raider game a season ago and covering the game, it's like you kind of understand if there are 250 to 300-pound guys wearing pads and helmets running in your general direction, I don't know, Michael. My initial reaction was maybe I'm just going to back up and like step out of the way while a bunch of these dudes who are twice my size come barreling right at me. Is that, that shouldn't be an insane response, but that was my initial reaction. Maybe I should have just jumped right in front of them and, uh, and got a nice payday. I don't know.
0: I don't think fans really understand the violence that happens in the offensive and the defensive lines unless you watch a game on the field unless you're down there literally it's, just it's watching so it how, how how physical it is you know and so I think the the, the television gives it a little bit of a of a pristine per, uh, performance a little bit cleaner than it actually the, the that what goes on and in those piles and in those skirmishes I think that is so look I I, I do agree with you you better get out of the way when uh, you know you better get out of the way when you're looking at this stuff
1: yeah i'm not exactly the you know heaviest of builds michael i mean i you can probably tell that from where where, where you're sitting so that's why my initial reaction was what it uh, what it was anyway that is the story for today that just happened before we hit the air uh, with Devontae adams we, he's still pending potential uh, discipline from the nfl we'll see what happens this week again raiders do have the week six bye as far as the rest of our show today exciting wednesday guest list for you megan payton who handles all sorts of sports betting analysis for wager talk joins us a little bit later this hour our guy harry gagdon the former vegas sportsbook supervisor and host of the against all odds podcast fresh off a perfect week harry was brilliant last week in week five he'll give his early week six picks for us at 130 on the east coast as far as other injury storylines though we saw this drop about an hour ago In Miami, where the Dolphins host the Vikings this week, no Tua Tagovailoa, the starting quarterback, already has been ruled out. And while backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater has yet to be ruled out, what we heard today from head coach Mike McDaniel, Michael, is that barring, even barring any sort of setbacks, the only situation Bridgewater will see the field is as a backup, even if he were to clear concussion protocol ahead of Sunday's game there against Minnesota. So it's going to be Skylar Thompson, the third-string quarterback. We saw him in relief against the Jets in a 40-19 loss last week. We saw the line go from Vikings 3. It's now 3.5, basically, market-wide. How much of an adjustment would you make this number here with it being Thompson's first career NFL start in this one?
0: I think the book already adjusted it that they felt like Thompson was going to play. Will Hill mentioned that yesterday on the air, and I think he was right. Uh, You know, to me, the decision McDaniels has to make is uh, the NFL in preparation and preparing for a game is is a mathematical equation. How many reps do I have? How much time do I have? Remember, the players are still on a time restriction. It's not like you can be there all day. Practice is still limited. So if, if he thinks that Teddy's going to play... He's got to give Skyler all, some of the reps because Teddy could get re-injured again, whether it's a concussion or whether it's his, you know, I don't know whether it was his back or his ribs, or, but he had something else, the elbow. So to me, I think McDaniels made the right call. Look, let's just play. Let's give Thompson all the reps this week in practice. Mm-hmm. We'll get him ready. We'll scale down the offense. We'll do exactly what he can do and we'll manage him correctly in this game. They have a lot of hope for Skylar Thompson. So I think it's the smart play and I don't think the number needs to get adjusted any further. Uh, I think the key number, the key issue is going to be is Tyreek Hill going to play. I think that's something we don't know. He left the game in a boot, and you could say, well, that was precautionary. Look, if he doesn't play, this field gets tilted definitely in a different way. And a firm questionable right
1: now, McDaniel, the head coach, comes out today and says he will be at practice playing without a boot today. But when you consider what he means to that offense, and when you're, you're potentially taking out a guy who has over 100 yards receiving per game That four touchdowns so far in the five games to this point and a touchdown in each game where he was fully healthy and active the whole time didn't have to leave to injury. What does the Miami offense really look like Michael if even aside setting aside the quarterback potential issues there and having a third stringer when you think about how the way Hill just spreads the field and makes life so much easier for the other
0: targets in that Miami offense. You know, I mean, he's so good, right? And and he creates, you know, he's a Tuesday player. What what is a Tuesday player? A Tuesday player is somebody that you spend all day game planning, figuring out how we're going to stop this guy, right? Like, how are we going to handle this player? And where they line him up, how they handle him. And Tuesday players should go to the Hall of Fame. That's to me where you get into the Hall of Fame is when you're a Tuesday player, where all the conversation is, okay, I'm at Carolina, we got to block Aaron Donald. He's a Tuesday player. We got to stop Tyreek Hill. He's a Tuesday player. Travis Kelsey's a Tuesday player. You know, so these Devontae Adams, a Tuesday player. You got to handle it. how we're we going to handle it, because if we don't handle him, he's going to take over the game and that's really and then so what he does is he sets up everybody else. He makes everybody else around him more successful because of they've got a scheme around him. And what's what was happening early in the season was nobody was really comfortable how to play Miami yet because mm-hmm. they wanted to take away the RPOs, but that wasn't quite there and then they you know they got, got Baltimore got ahead of them and they were able to make plays late in the game which was Baltimore's mistake. So you know, it's challenging. And so now if Waddle's the only guy on the field, you can double Waddle and you don't have to worry about Hill. Now you have to worry about Gusecki and, you know, and Sheffield's not going to beat you. So I, I think that's what happens. And they've got to run the football more effectively. That's one of the things they, they did a little bit against the Jets. That got better. But for the most part, they hadn't run the ball very well.
1: And you think about how that game just snowballed where Jason Myers misses a field goal. Down 19-17 that would have given Miami the lead early fourth quarter. Next thing you look up and it's the 40 to 17 game, three touchdowns yeah. in the final a 10 plus minutes. It's a there. Lot,
0: that game was a lot yeah. closer. I know Jet fans exactly. are going crazy with that game, but that game. But look, I think the Miami issue, Ben. If you're betting Miami, I think you got to be a little concerned because Miami's defense is not played to the level that it played last year. It really hasn't. I thought Brian Flores did a really good job when Josh Boyer was coordinating early in the season. They were playing a lot of man, and, and basically Flores came in and said, No, 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 we're going to change this stuff up here a little bit we got to get some zone pressures we got to get you know we can't be a man-to-man team or else we're going to get burnt and this year they've gotten burnt they're one of the worst third down teams in football they give it up almost at 50 percent of the time that's that's concerning you know, And they haven't been able to stop the run. They've allowed teams to have seven rushing touchdowns. People ask me this all the time. Why are red zones – it's so hard to score the red zone? Because typically you can't run the ball in in the red zone. Mm-hmm. You just can't run the ball in. They've actually given up almost as many red zone runs, touchdowns, as they have touchdown passes.
1: You And you think about how that translates to the Minnesota matchup. And on the one hand, you could say – can you really trust Minnesota with a defense that's 21st against the pass, 21st against the run, laying over a field goal in Miami? But if you're the Dolphins, you're 30th against the pass this year. Only the Lions and Seahawks are worse. How is Justin yeah. Jefferson not getting triple-digit yards in this game? that That's the question
0: if you're Miami, right? I don't know how he doesn't get triple-digit yards. I mean, and even if, you know, he they, they do a nice job of finding ways to get him the ball, even though he's going to get doubled. But I, 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 to me, this game is really about Minnesota's offensive line because when they played in London, right, when they were over there in London, you know, and they got into a third-down situation, they struggled to protect in London. They'll struggle to protect. And then how about the heat and humidity? I mean, Minnesota hasn't felt this heat and humidity in a while. It'll be hot in Miami this weekend.
1: A couple of rookie head coaches going at it. Kevin O'Connell on the Minnesota side, Mike McDaniel for Miami – and combined, the straight-up records, but we'll see. Are there some cracks that might be exposed? Interesting matchup here with that third-string quarterback, Skyler Thompson, uh, now set to get the start. That's the news coming out this morning. On the other side, we mentioned how Michael has that new article out at vsun.com. Michael, you wrote about the Cowboys. You wrote about the Lions. We want to get into both of those teams on the other side and an NFC East preview as well with a big showdown coming up this week in
3: Philadelphia. That's all still to come here on the Lombardi Line.
2: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With the
4: Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
1: It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted on specials and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Again, you can see all of Michael Lombardi's Weekly NFL Insights as a VEASAN Pro subscriber. New article up that was just posted yesterday. Also, new episode of the GM Shuffle with Femi Abebefe. That is available wherever you get your podcasts right now. And as far as the big matchup we're talking about this week, there's a couple of them. The main game, Michael, in the NFC East is this Cowboy-Eagle matchup. We Mm. hear this morning likely, according to everything coming out of Dallas, likely going to see Cooper Rush start once again. And you wrote about what the Cowboys ought to do once quarterback Dak Prescott eventually comes back. But with having Cooper Rush in, Dallas is 4-0 with him as a starter just this season after getting obliterated opening night by Tampa. As we look at what's actually working for Dallas when Rush has been in there at QB, what have you honed in on when you've watched the tape on Dallas and you've seen all the success they've had, even as they come into this game here now, catching a six-point line, the highest it's been all week against Philly?
0: Yeah, it moved. It. You know, it moved. A little. I thought it was going to move. I, I had this line. To me, I had this as a 4.58 line to start off the week, but it was going to move. I think the number one thing is Dallas decided they're not going to lose games. They're going to not turn this ball over, and they're going to go back to their two best players, which is Zeke Elliott and, and, and Tony Pollard, and they're going to try to feature them. They're going to punt the ball if they have to. The punt's not a bad play, and they're not going to get concerned about you know, trying to gain yards and get a head coaching job for, you know, their offensive coordinator. So I think, you know, they're number one in the league in turnovers. They don't haven't turned the ball over. They're 30th in the league in first downs. Think about that, right? So they don't get very many first downs. They got 10 last week, but, they, but they're able to protect the football. And they punt. And because of that, because they don't make mistakes, their defense, which has created over the last four weeks, has created six turnovers, three last week against the Rams. And they win the game because they're able to stop the teams from running the football particularly. But when they get into passing situations, they can't really throw it. I mean, the, up until the Ram game, no team against the Cowboys had gained 200 yards in the air. Think about that that's now. Amazing. Think, that's amazing, right? So that's why, you know, that's why they're so successful. They turn the ball over. They play great pass defense. They rush the passer. And, they're you know, they're third in points allowed as a defense, you know, that's the formula, you know, we all talk about offensive football. It's funny. I was writing an article for the daily coach on Monday about bill Walsh's blueprint to be successful. Right. And everybody would think number one, have to have a great, you know, offense, number two, wide receivers, number three, you know, all that. No, number one, have to have talent on defense Number two, have to have a pass rush that can win the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's essentially the game is still the game, right? If, if you're going to throw it as much as some of these teams do, you got to have find a way to neutralize a passing pass game, and the only way you really do that is through a defensive front.
1: And Dallas lead the league in sacks so far, 13 to this point, tied for fourth in the league in EPA per play. You mentioned the yard stat, which is mind blowing. When you don't allow in today's NFL 200 yards passing in your first four games, and it only took garbage time for quarterback Matthew Stafford and right. the Rams to get and there. And they last haven't week. given up
0: over 20 points a game. I mean, the last since since Cups taken over, they've given up 17, 16, 10, and 10. I mean, the Eagles score more points in the in the second quarter than the Cowboys have allowed.
1: Ninety-five points for the Eagles—that's an NFL record, most points through five weeks in any quarter in NFL history—and that comes now leads to the crux of the breakdown for this game. If you're Dallas, you've been so good defensively, but as you mentioned, offensively, twenty-third in yards per play, twenty-eighth in yards per drive on average. Without that kind of balance, even if you aren't shooting yourselves in the foot whatsoever offensively, and you can measure that by seeing how Dallas is plus five in turnovers tied for second in the league, but against an elite team like Philadelphia, who's undefeated, your last undefeated team in the league, how much longer can you keep that going when you just aren't getting the consistent production with high scoring uh, plays, at least on your offensive side?
0: Well, I think that the buzz all here and why the line's moving towards Philadelphia, uh, you know, away from Dallas and you know, is because this Eagle defense has played pretty well too, right? And so that that I think is the bigger issue. This is really it's a game, it's a marquee game where we're talking about two really good offenses or there was one time Dak Prescott versus Jalen Hurts, but really this is a game, this is two really good defenses. Two really good defenses that that are physical up front, that can rush the passer, that create problems. Now, the Eagles don't dominate in the passing game as as in, in the run defense, as the before you can run. But they're as good on – you don't make plays in the passing game against them. Now, they haven't – you could say, well, they haven't played any – you know, they played Kirk Cousins. They held him down. You know, they Trevor Lawrence, they stripped the ball out of his hand four times last week against Murray. Murray really couldn't do very much. Now, you know, and they turned the ball over the last, what, the last two weeks they've created six turnovers. So this to me is where the buzzsaw starts. They're going against a defense that Dallas is going to have to do a little bit more than they're going to be comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And whether they can execute that's going to be C.D. Lamb, for as good as C.D. Lamb is, Ben, he has too many drops. Like, he can't have drops this week. And you think about his quarterback, as we
1: ta- told you about, likely another start for Cooper Rush, who, to give him credit, for a guy coming in, has his done exactly what he's asked. He's 18th in adjusted EPA per play right now among quarterbacks. That's below guys like Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill, but he's above Daniel Jones, Jared Goff. So you're right in that mid-tier level. I know you have thoughts on Jared Goff, the Lions quarterback, after the outdoor yeah. play this past week, but that's what you're getting uh, with a guy like Cooper Rush. Should we discuss yeah. Jared Goff, though, for a couple minutes?
0: Now, now, let's just stay off Dallas for one okay, second. I think it. this uh, – Philadelphia, I think what, what one of the, when you cite those second quarter numbers, they translate into other numbers. This is where I always have issues with analytics is tell me what that means. You know, what does that mean? Tell me what it means. Let's extend it out. Give me second-order thinking here. Okay, so because they so dominant in the second quarter – What that means is teams don't even... They can't run the ball on... They can't even attempt to run the ball on them, right? The Eagles have allowed... Think about this. The Eagles are 25th in the National Football League in yards per attempt against them. 25th. They're second in rushing attempts against them. That's a contradiction, right? You'd say that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Teams are, 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 are not attempting to run, but they have success running the ball. Why is that, right? Well, the reason is because they get behind they can't they're 28th and facing the most passing attempts because that's why so that to me is it's 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 jig and jag you got to go back and forth with it that's a great point
1: game flow and how these games play out when you have a team like philadelphia who is not trailed in the second half yet this season it's a pretty good indicator where some stats have more weight than others I wonder on the Philadelphia offensive side, and you think about, okay, building a lead, something Philadelphia's been great at so far. Three starting offensive linemen are all questionable coming in. We saw two get hurt, the left guard, Landon Dickerson, and the center, Jason Kelsey. Kelsey came back late in the game against Arizona, but left tackle Jordan Mailata was already out in that game. We don't know what the status is for all three. And you just laid out everything on the Dallas defensive end. How big of the handicap is going to be tied to those three offensive linemen specifically this week?
0: It's going to be really tied to it. And it's going to be tied to how Dan Quinn wants to defend this team too, right? So when you play Philadelphia, you know, first of all, you know, both these defenses are, are right at the same numbers, 4.7 yards per play, you know, and actually Dallas is better in, 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 in yards per opponent, yard per play. So, But you're going to have to set this defense outside in and you're going to have to stop Hurts from running. You're going to have to do what Jacksonville tried to do, only do it better by playing better inside. And force Hurts to try to make throws. Mm-hmm. Force him to throw the ball the tight windows. Force him to try to change up and read it on the run. And you've got to be able to spy him. You've got to be able to tackle him. I mean, that's the big issue, too, is you've got to be able to get him on the ground.
1: At the same time with Philadelphia, we headed, we headed into that Jacksonville game, remember, into week four, saying, All right, we haven't seen Philadelphia really tested to this point. We haven't seen Philadelphia have to come from behind at all. Well, go down 14-0 against Jacksonville. They were tested there, come from behind, score 29 straight points and win. Then we said, well, they haven't really been in a close game late. Tie game with three minutes to go against Arizona last week. Get the go-ahead field goal, hang on in pretty fortuitous manner with a short field goal missed by the Cardinals kicker Matt Amendola but get the job done there in another situation we had not seen Philadelphia do yet. So at this point, and 5-0 team. Seems like they've checked off all the boxes, Michael. What what else is is there for Philadelphia to prove, at least to us, that they are an elite team at this point?
0: Well, they don't. They just have to keep playing elite. And the fact that they have a bye after this game, I think is significant, right? Because that's always a huge motivating for players to say, hey, if we win this game, you guys got a bye. You're off for the week. And then they come back after the bye. They play Pittsburgh, Houston, and Washington. Pretty, I mean, they're going to be 8-0, 8-0 yeah. before if they win this game. I mean, how are they going to lose that?
1: It's a nice little schedule stretch after the bye week for Philadelphia. And there's a bunch of teams. We're getting into that stretch. Bye weeks. We have our first week of byes this week in week number five. One of those teams on bye is Detroit. I would be remiss if I didn't get your thoughts on Jared Goff. We have some outdoor oh, we get stats back to Jared Goff yeah, we in Detroit, so we'll do that next. Also, let's get into some divisional breakdowns. What is going on in the AFC South? That's a question we have to try and unpack next Odds are all over the place, so we'll discuss when we continue here on the Lombardi Line.
0: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VCN. Featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
1: Basketball season is ready to tip off, and now is the time to grab your VSIN Pro Basketball Betting Guide with season prep on all 30 teams. Our Hoops experts, including Jonathan Von Tobel, provide strategy and advice as well as predictions for conference winners, win totals, playoff teams, and player awards. We also have five betting tips for beginning NBA bettors. Give yourself an edge this NBA season to get the VSIN NBA Betting Guide by becoming a VSIN Pro subscriber today at vsn.com/slash subscribe in case you missed it, our resident 76ers guy, Michael Lombardi. Yeah. Down on Philly this year, under 50 oh, yeah. and a half wins.
0: Everybody's, everybody wants to bet that over. I, I would lean towards the under. I, I think, to me, you'll see. I think it's going to be hard. I mean, I just watched the preseason games, and, you know, they want the big fella to get down to the low post, and he's out there in the three-point line, and they have no spacing. It's going to be fun to watch how this all comes out. Joel
1: Embiid, we'll see how far he can take. Philadelphia with him. He and uh, James Harden there in Philly this year. Uh, Speaking of teams who I imagine you were on the under to start the season, a lot of people liked this team, though, based on their appearance at Hard Knocks on HBO, the Detroit Lions. We're sitting Mm -hmm. one and four now through five weeks, and you wrote in your article for VEASAN.com about Jared Goff and at the quarterback position, the first time we had seen him outdoors this year, it didn't go well. 29 nothing loss no. at New England against the third-string quarterback in Bailey Zappi on the Patriots side. What have you noticed specifically with Goff when you just watched the film comparing indoors to outdoors, even though I-, I realize it shouldn't, at least in 2022, seem like a huge distinction, but clearly, in your opinion, it still is, it, it seems like.
0: You know, I-, I think to me when he goes out there, it's just not the perfect environment. I, I mean, this game really didn't... You know, I mean, it was 59 degrees and it wasn't that windy, but he didn't really have control of the football. It was one of his worst passing games of the season. He only threw for 188 yards. And, you know, I think the Patriots had a really good handle on what they were trying to accomplish offensively. And they kept going for it on fourth down. And, and you know, Goff is not one of those guys that – is he's a little bit like Daniel Jones. I mean, he doesn't always protect the football to the level he needs to protect it. And and the ball slips out, and all of a sudden, you know, he's, he loses two fumbles in the game. One of them goes back for his touchdown. Look, golf has played really well up until this point, and golf will struggle if they have to go to Chicago late in the year, if they have to play a cold weather game because that's not his cup of tea. They play Chicago on the first day of January, so that won't be well, you know. But other than that, they go to Buffalo in November, that won't be good, you know. They go to Green Bay in November, that might not be good. So, to me, it's just this Lion team. Is so bad defensively. I mean, everybody gave Belichick a, a lot of crap about drafting Cole Strange in the first in the first round, right? And Aiden Hutchinson was applauded as the greatest draft pick in the history of football, right? I mean, not that they blocked one another, but Strange is really a good player, mm-hmm. and Hutchinson didn't do a damn thing. I mean, in that game right. he got tossed a to shutout. I mean, like at some point, can we stop evaluating the drafts on draft day? Can we just watch him play?
1: It's funny how we end up making an entire, there's like entire media groups that are, it's all about the immediate reaction. It goes right back to It goes
0: back to, it goes back to this whole conversation, evaluate the evaluator. I mean, who's evaluating this? Who's, who's saying the guy is no good? Evaluate him. You know, like who's saying that? Like, like who's saying the guy is good? Like the other last week, Daniel Jones was the best quarterback according to the, you know, who says that? Who says that? Like, how can you put the Chase is the 40th best receiver in football? Who says that? Evaluate the evaluator. What we do know, though,
1: at least on the Jared Goff front, and I went back looked at all the outdoor stats it, because you laid out your your general belief that when this Detroit team we get to cold weather, it becomes pretty obvious in your minds not going to be the same efficient offensive team. Outdoors at Chicago, November 13th, the Giants, November 20th, the. Jets December 18th, the Panthers December 24th. That's kind of, we'll see if that's actually cold weather and the Packers January 8th to end the season. So you have a bunch of situations still to come on golf, specifically outdoors. And I looked at last year, four outdoor games where he was active, averaged 218 and a half yards per game, five touchdowns, five turnovers in those spots with two picks and three fumbles lost. 218 yards per game in the 2022 NFL For an offense that's pretty heavily passed first, it's a pretty underwhelming number to be throwing out, especially for a team that trailed as much as they did a season ago, only winning three games. I was surprised to see the numbers that low, Michael. I didn't think it would have been that severe of a drop-off going to outdoors, but as you talk about, there's clearly a statistical gap that we can look at with a, a guy like Goff.
0: He threw for 211 against the Patriots, and and that game was over, really, almost at halftime. It it was over in the third quarter, and they only threw for 211, right? So... I mean, I think to me, this Detroit team, I don't think they're, for as tough as guy, for a tough guy that Dan Campbell presents himself as, I don't get the sense they're a tough team. They have no toughness on defense. I mean, zero toughness on defense. I mean, when you give up 216 yards rushing in the opening game, then you come back and give up 235 to Seattle and New England runs for 176, are you really a tough team? Are you? I mean, stopping the run is about being tough and physical and be having guys in gaps. That's not a it's not like a it's not a mismatch like back in the day when Oklahoma would play Tulsa or something like that, you know, right. where they just out talent you. To me, that that's the part of it. I think we always we, we don't ask the self sorry I think it's one of the problems with the Colts. The Colts have lost their toughness. The head the head coach gives you toughness. You have to get toughness from the head coach. Or somewhere in the organization, I think it's Cincinnati's problem. There's no toughness there.
1: And Detroit, thirty-first against the pass, thirty-first against the run. I like to look at some of the statistical sites that show you the visualizations, you know, on the big, the plotting graph to see, all right, where are these teams? You have the elite teams up here, you know, top right. Awful teams are way down bottom left. And when you look at the visualization so far through five weeks, there's a bunch of teams scattered all over the place. There's really only two teams in that bottom left corner that are just awful: it's the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions. They are on an island, Michael. I mean, it looks like they might as well be in Hawaii when I look at this map compared to compared to the rest of these teams. If you compare how this is plotted out to the, the to the contiguous 48 here. It's it's so bad what Detroit's doing and I don't know how it gets better. That's the that's the question. You talk about personnel. Well, it, Where what is the path forward here for Detroit?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it, 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 it doesn't. I mean, that hasn't got – look, you, it wasn't like this was top secret, right? Like last year, did, did you anybody watch Detroit's defense last year? You can blame it all on Matt Patricia, but, like, did anybody watch? Like, it was bad, right? And so, you know, but did they address it? Did they fix anything? Do they know how to fix it? That's the other issue. I mean, they were just as bad last year. They were 31st in points allowed, 29th in yards allowed. You know, I mean, you know, they, they were 30. They were 32nd in, in yards per allowed per pass. They were 21 in yards per allowed. I mean, it was a comedy. I mean, they never really – they never fixed it. So, to me, when you go into an offseason and the problems are there the next season, you know, then you didn't really fix it. I mean, you really didn't – you didn't understand how to fix it. And it's not – you. That's what it's all about. It's about how do I mm-hmm. fix the problems A identifying the problems and B how do I fix it I, I, I think Detroit has always been an organization that's run by a corporate mentality. They have way too many people involved you know you got your boy Chris Spielman over there telling you well, it's all about toughness. Well I don't know how Chris Spielman watches his lions and thinks he's got a, he's working for a tough team.
1: The stats don't lie and you said it from last year 30th against the pass overall right around bottom three and it has not gotten better whatsoever this year it does lead into our pro tip and we talked about this when it as it relates to we now have issues on both sides of the ball here with Detroit Jared Goff a quarterback as well as the defense as a whole where if you pay attention to situational spots as a handicapper and that's our pro tip this hour you can find certain teams who struggle in certain environments one primary one being teams like the Lions proven to play poor not only on the road but as we talked about and laid out the stats on Jared Goff outdoors in in particular and so You have a 29 loss on the road. First game for Detroit outdoors this season. You can look for certain trends like that. We're not a believer in blindly following random trends, but when it's something super specific like this on Detroit, those are things that are borne out in in statistical evidence long-term. Again, all of our pro tips searchable at vcin.com. At least for Detroit, you look down the card this week, we don't see the Lions. They do have a bye week, but you were talking about this last break. Four different teams who now have bye weeks starting next week who do play today. We discussed the angles for Minnesota, laying three and a half at Miami. Discussed the angle on Philadelphia, now laying six against Dallas. The two other ones here, Bills at Chiefs, which will be a big talking point all week. Bills laying three. Bills have the bye week next week. And then you have the Rams coming off the spot where you're laying ten and a half at home. There was a respected group, had a big release on Carolina yesterday. So the number moved from 11 to ten and a half in the Panthers' first game without the fired head coach Matt Rule. How do you trust? I mean, for the Rams here, you, you think uh, going into a bye that might galvanize the team a little bit? I don't know. I feel like I'm searching though for any sort of
0: any sort of whiff uh, to look I, to back the Rams. I mean, I think you—you know—sometimes when we start to play that game, um, the motivation game, like how does that work? We—we're we're really sh- re- reaching, you know. You know, I, I heard somebody say, I read Instagram. I think they're really a, a, a team that's coming together. Look, it comes down to players and plays, and the Rams are hard are going to have a hard time. Look, they may win the game. They're going to—you know—can they win the game? Sure but they haven't played well, and they're going to go against a front that's going to really be give them some issues, especially if they can't get some kind of balance with their offense.
1: We make so much, especially in handicapping. Look ahead spot, let down spot, yeah, bye week yeah. coming up at the end.
0: And you know what, when, when you're in the league, nobody ever talks about that.
1: That's, that's all we need to know, or we should know, as handicappers at least. If you've been in the league, they don't talk about it, so why do we pay attention to it? Uh, when we return, Megan Payton from Wager Talk. She's got some player props to discuss with us. Always great to have Megan on the show. That'll be up next here on Lombardi Line.
3: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v Featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher.
1: Attention, BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do. Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus the wager is settled, You'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement at BetMGM and get a $50 bonus. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non withdrawable. Site credit. Site credit expires in 30 days. Gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. Back with Michael, I'm Ben Wilson. It's Patrick Maher's off day. He's back tomorrow on the show as we are so pleased to be joined now. Recurring guests. It's always great whenever we have Megan Payton on from Wager Talk. Does a great job there as a sports betting analyst. For a follow at Megan MeganPayton7. Always talking player props with you, Megan. It's wild to think we're five weeks into the year. We've seen how the market has kind of evaluated a bunch of different players, either to the good or to the bad. Uh, how has the first month plus gone for you as you've gone through the whole week-to-week evaluation here of all these players?
4: Well, first of all, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Michael, for having me join. I always love talking player props with you, and it's crazy that we're already entering week six. But you're right. It has shifted, the market has. And what do we always say? Vegas knows best. And you've got to find ways to you know, create some value. So just like anything, there's been weeks that have been great, and there's been weeks that have maybe not been as great. But player props are always fun for me because the way, I, you know, my background is just NFL in general. I approach most of my betting from an NFL analyst side, if that makes sense. So I'm looking almost like you would if you're playing fantasy. Like If there's a player that you're really high on, I don't really necessarily care what the value is at that point. I'm gonna bet with the stats that back it up. But it's interesting to me. I think the best way you can find value in player props still right now, even as we see Vegas getting a little bit sharper, is Find players that you think are gonna either have a breakout game or find players that you really feel like are on the verge of declining. I think a great example and I believe I actually talked to you guys about this a few weeks ago was uh, Texans running back Damian Pierce. So he was at a line at about 50, 50 and a half I'd say going into week three. And I knew that he was going to have a breakout game because not necessarily the numbers and the formula that you plug on in, but because you're listening to the press conferences, you're listening to what's happening in that locker room. Head coach Lovie Smith had made it very clear that Damian Pierce was going to be their starting guy. And then you look at just the way that he's trending upwards. So I remember that was the first time I had taken the over on Damian Pierce. And to be honest, That's a player right now that's still undervalued. You talk about where are they getting it right, where are they getting it wrong? Damian Pierce Mm, is still the line is still set for him in like the 60s, 70s. Yet he's having over 100 rushing yards in some games. He's hitting 90. He's a player right now that I don't think Vegas is as on top of. How about Ramondae
0: Stevenson from the Patriots, Megan? Do you think he's still undervalued? The guy averages 5-5 a carry. You know, he's got 68 carries over five weeks, which isn't really a lot of carries. Now with Damian Harris being injured, I, I think he's undervalued in the passing game, too. They've only thrown him—they've th- attempted to throw him 16 targets. He's caught 13 of them. But I, I wonder if he's undervalued.
4: I-, I think that's a great example. And to be honest, I think— I don't know yet about him. You know, there are certain players where it's it's hard to make that like distinction. Are they undervalued? Is Vegas getting this right? And especially without consistency, that's what I'm really trying to look for: is how consistent is their you know trajectory? And obviously, Damian Pierce hurt right now, but you can see how he actually was going upwards each week. Climbing higher and higher. That's what I try to look for. And then, you know, you talk about you know players that are maybe overvalued. I'll talk about Bengals uh, wide receiver Jamar Chase, and I might get a little bit of hate for this, but the line last week for him was at 85 and a half. If you took the under, you won big. 50 yards is what Jamar Chase had. The lines obviously haven't come out this week for the Sunday games, but I'm expecting Jamar Chase to still be in that 70 range when we look at the opening lines. I'm going to take the under on someone like him. The Bengals offense struggling as much as they're starting to regain their season a little bit. They're still not looking like the Super Bowl team that we saw last year. So there's certain players that you've got to watch out for, and I think Jamar Chase is a perfect example of someone that is being overvalued, and Damian Pierce is a perfect example of someone being undervalued. Yeah,
1: and isn't that a great example too? It's not yep. the player specifically, and, and Michael, we you missed it, Megan. Yeah, we did the whole thing. But, Jamar Chase. You know how is how does PFF not have him in the top 40? But it's not the player specifically. It's more the scheme, and right. is he able to? You right. know what is what yeah, else is going what, on
0: offensively? Uh, I think what Megan's saying is a great point. I mean, the, the, the defensive coordinators go into the game saying we can't allow Chase to have a big play. We're going to double him. Yeah. We're going to make sure that he does not I mean, the Saints are not dumb. They're going to do the same thing this week, you know? And so the ball has to go to Higgins or it has to go to Boyd. And that's been the problem. And then you add in the offensive line. So I think what Megan's saying is true is is until they find a way to play left-handed, the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Bengals, Chase's numbers are going to keep coming down.
4: Absolutely. And it's the same thing with Cooper Cup. They've got to find ways to get him open. Cooper Cup's a fantastic receiver. Jamar Chase is a fantastic receiver. But if you can't find ways from a coaching perspective, and Michael, I mean, you can speak on this, too. If you can't find ways to get your star wide receiver open, their numbers are going to keep going down. And you can't have that happen. That's what we're seeing happen in Los Angeles with the Rams. And we're seeing that with the Bengals and Jamar Chase.
0: Yeah, and that's a great point. And then I think like with the Raiders, with Devontae Adams, right now Devontae Adams is getting his catches, but what's happening here with the Raiders is he's getting his percentage of catch isn't as high as it was. When he was in Green Bay last year, yeah. he averaged over 72% of the targets to the catches. The Raiders need to increase that. Right now he's in the 50s. You know, he's too good of a player. They're getting him the football, but they need to get it to him more often. And you're right, Megan, great coaches find a way. You can't take away a player by motion, by where you put him in the form. It's hard to double a guy when he's in a tight Mm -hmm. split. It's hard to double a guy when he's moving across the form. Who's got him? I got him. Nobody's got him. I think you're dead on.
1: And what do we know historically? In general, everybody loves (laughs) to bet the stars, love to bet him over. And it, you, you know, this better than anybody back And the, sometimes the value can be on the under, especially when you're talking about the big, big names. What's funny about that though, as we turn to Thursday night football, it's a, it's an ugly game on the surface. I know Michael's <laughs> a glutton for punishment. Michael will be watching Aww. this game. So I intently, every single play with Washington <laughs> and Chicago, but no real big names here from the prop perspective. And because this is the lowest totaled game we've had all season, we're down to 36 and a half in some spots now, 37 pretty much market-wide. It's It's nuts. And we're expecting wind to the latest reports right around the 20 mile per hour range, which we have the data in NFL games that uh, that are at the 20 mile an hour range or over on the wind. Usually your average total is right around 37. And that doesn't factor in the awful nature of both of these offenses coming in. So with all that out of the way, where do you look for value when when you take a look at the props on this game with all the subdued numbers that we're going to get for Thursday night?
4: It's hard, Ben, and I'm finding value, especially in the receptions perspective. If you're looking, one of my favorites, actually, is running back David Montgomery over two and a half receptions. You can find um, that at plus 105 at ben, on BetMGM last time I checked. That's pretty good. And I know right now we're looking at these offenses and saying, like, this is going to be a snooze fest. I remember last Thursday when everyone was like, this game cannot end soon enough. We started looking up, all right, well, what's the week six Thursday night game. Everyone was disappointed when they saw it was Commanders Bears because this is a sloppy offense. These are defenses that are honestly still trying to get a connection going there too. But I like David Montgomery over two and a half receptions. He had uh, what four receptions last week against the Vikings. He had three receptions in week one. And I don't think it's going to be as bad as we're expecting. We were all thrown for it last week in the Colts Broncos game. I think it'll be a little bit better. So I'm finding some value there. I also still like wide receiver Terry McLaurin over 48 and a half receptions. He's had over 55 uh, receiving yards in four of the last five games this season. That's pretty good. It might be a slow offensive games, but there's still ways you can find some overs, I think.
0: You know, the hard part about this game is, is Justin Fields' averages he's got 49 completed passes in, 10, in five games. I mean, high school players have yeah. better numbers than that. I mean, he's got, he's almost, he almost has more fumbles than he does completed passes per game. I mean, I, so for someone in your role, how do you handle, it, it's impossible to take any receiver for the Bears on an over total or, or, or not to play the under because there's a good chance even if he's open, it's not going to get completed.
4: Yeah, it's pretty hard. And to be completely honest, Michael, these aren't games that I love to bet on player prop wise. So I try to find players and you know props that are just really, really good value. That's why I'm taking Montgomery over mm-hmm. two and a half receptions and plus money because at least if it hits, you're winning big there. And I think there is a chance with a player like him, you a know, couple quick tosses to Montgomery we just need three it's not my favorite bet it's not my favorite game to bet but you've got to find value somewhere
1: it's a Thursday night no standalone doubt. game we got to have action somewhere so you're doing <laughs> that's work. right uh, Megan Payton Thank joining you, Megan. us Megan great Thank stuff as so always much. give her a follow-up Megan always. Payton 7 appreciate Sports you, Analyst Megan. for Wager Talk we really appreciate it as always and I'm sure we'll have you on again Thank soon you. Megan
4: Thank you guys so much. Always love coming on. Uh, let's Absolutely. have a good Thursday night
1: game. Yeah, we'll, we'll do our best. Hey, I'm sure a way. lot of people will be betting that no touchdown. They cashed it cashed at 120-1 to one last week, Michael. Going to be a lot of action on that this week. I'm sure that have number you watched, is a have lot. Have you watched lot,
0: this lot, Washington right? defense? They could blow they, a coverage with the best of anybody. They, I mean, seriously. All
1: right, AFC <laughs> South. We promised we talk that division. We'll discuss it next here on the show.
3: If you dare.